0: It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Boring. Each and every week, we look at sports topics of local interest, maybe a national sports topic or two. We have a gambling segment. We've got an interesting one this week. To, to kind of pose there's not a lot of lines to talk about uh, we're certainly not going to talk about betting on the all-star game which is a few few weeks away I'm, I'm certainly not maybe the home run derby we can talk about that next week um, and of course my favorite segment of the podcast where you can ask me a question on anything we've got a couple of uh, actually a holdover question from last week I've got a question that was asked of me on a radio interview and I'm sure you've got a couple so we've got uh, we got a lot to get to it's kind of been a, a, a really a weird I don't want to call it dead time. I mean, remember a year ago at this time we were in the midst of the pandemic and starting to come out of it and golf was being played. The NBA bubble was about to commence and all those things. But, I mean, Rick, there was really nothing out of Bengals OTAs or minicamp. The Reds are honestly fairly boring because they keep, you know, spinning their wheels. There really isn't a ton going on.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I don't know how we did this show a year ago. Well, actually, I do. We, we started – asking anything and it got us through these these months without any sports going on at all but yeah really when you look back as much as we missed sports and we wanted them going on then now that you get back to this time of the year you realize there wasn't all that much to be missing at this point in time
0: no that's exact that's exactly right i will tell you it was interesting i had a conversation with 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 my former radio partner tom gamble who uh puts together a high school football event each and every year the skyline chili crosstown showdown and and um, he still has not come up with the full schedule of it yet. Cause he's been trying to, to, to juggle a few things around, including potentially a special announcement he'll have. But um, I, you know, I talked to him yesterday. He's on vacation in Florida, but he's doing some work. And I said, Do you realize that high school football season starts in about six or seven weeks? And then in Northern Kentucky, actually, the soccers and the volleyballs start in about five weeks. And remember, because we started so late with high school sports last year, we ended so late with high school sports that it feels like there hasn't been a summer at all. It's like, boom, boom, and starting again. So I guess it's a good thing because this coming year, it seems like we're at least going to get back to full normalcy across the board in sports.
1: Yep. And I think everybody is ready for that, especially getting back into college football yes. stadiums, college yep. basketball arenas. There's such a close connection between those teams and their fans and, and people go into those events in person. So I think everybody is ready for that. But No question. We uh, will start this week's podcast on the Major League Baseball side of things with... The Reds on Monday announced they selected the contract of infielder Alejo Lopez from AAA and designated outfielder Scott Heineman for assignment. Lopez promptly made his impact felt Monday night when he got a pinch hit single to lead off the seventh inning, setting the stage for Nick Castellanos grand slam that gave the team a 6-4 lead and what ultimately became a 12-4 win over the Phillies. Lopez didn't get the start on Tuesday. He came off the bench again for a pinch hit opportunity and struck out. Then on Wednesday, he got the start and went 0-2 for 2 with a pair of ground outs in the weird rain-delayed game. Skinny, what did you think of the Reds' newest position player, Alejo Lopez, being called up to the big leagues?
0: I mean, he earned it. I'll give him that. He's been in the organization for a long time. They drafted him out of high school. Um, actually, he, he played in the minors at age 17, so he must have had a late birthday. But he's kind of trudged his way through the minors, but he was really good in Chattanooga this year. Then he was really good in Louisville, so he earned his way up. But... I mean, at 25, still scuffling the minors. I don't think much of guys like this. I'm glad he got his opportunity. I hope he makes the most of it. I don't hold out great hope that he's the next uh, big thing to come. I found it awful odd. I mean, he's kind of a, I don't want to call slap hitter. He's more of a doubles kind of a guy for the most part. I would think more top of the order kind of guy. And they hit him fifth. I'm trying to figure out what in the world he's doing batting fifth um in in the Wednesday game I I wish him well I I don't think much of it I think he's one of those guys that that yeah could he get hot for a week or two and you get excited sure but it also wouldn't surprise me if all of a sudden you look up and he's three for 20 he's back in Louisville in a week so yeah I I honestly didn't think much of it he is a small
1: small guy I mean you mentioned yeah Yeah. I mean he looks like a high school player in there still in his mid-20s the one thing that it's not a huge deal it's not a big criticism of David Bell but how in the hell do you not start that guy on Tuesday after he gets the pinch hit in his debut? Like, why is he not in the starting lineup the next day? That's – if nothing else, that's just what everyone wants. That's what the fans are coming for the next night. I don't, yeah, I don't it, understand that at all.
0: Yeah, managers are weird with that. I, I get righty-lefty splits, although – But he's uh, a switch hitter? Right, no, no, he? Yeah, no, right. But, but I, you've seen this before, right, where the guy gets – you know, has a big night the night before and maybe he's a left hander. And the next day it's a lefty start. And so I I do get those, but I've also seen managers where it's, it's not that righty lefty split where a guy has a big night the night before and all it was, was a spot start and not going to put him out there the next night. I've always thought maybe the guy's swinging. I mean, this is such a game of streaks that if I got a hot guy one night, I'm at least going to give him the next night to either show me he's still hot or that he cooled off. I mean, it is such a streaky game. Great hitters go for 20, bad hitters go 10 for 14 in stretches, right? I mean, it's 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 just that that game. The the great ones, obviously, are, are consistent a lot longer than the bad ones are, but it's such a streaky game. I'm kind of with you after that. I would have liked to have seen him get run out there. I don't think it would have made a difference in, in the Tuesday game, and, and it didn't make a difference in the Wednesday game because he did get the start. But I, I'm kind of with you there. I mean, if you brought him up, he showed you something with, with a base hit the first time up. I, I think I'd run him back out there, too. And he, Dave Mel's not the first manager that's done it, but it's, it's it has always been weird to me that, look, guy had a good night. Let's see if he has a second good night. And maybe that runs into a great week, and that can carry you. Because right now, this offense is literally Jesse Winker, Nick Castellanos, and then w- what else? I mean, if those guys don't produce on, on a, almost an every-night basis, this team isn't very good offensively.
1: Yeah, India has been up and down yeah. but he's he's given them something he's, I think yeah, at he's the top giving of the order. Him
0: a, Yeah, he's given them some consistency at the top of the order. I'll, I'll give you that part of it. But he's he's not going to carry your offense. He's at least the guy that can get on base ahead of those guys and it's allowed you to move them down a little bit in the in the order um but for the most part um i mean really it's it's two guys that have had to carry the load on a a nightly basis and uh you know that's where if i got a guy that got me a hit or two and a couple of at bats i'm gonna run him back out there and see if i can get some more out of him i i've seen enough of the kyle farmers of the world and look i know this this kid's not a shortstop he's never really played it much he's pretty much a second baseman third baseman kind of a guy but um yeah i I think i'd give him another crack
1: uh uh, by the way so is farmer and suarez and Basically, everyone, the Reds have played at shortstop. No, that's right. So I don't really have a problem if this kid does play shortstop, although I agree he's not the answer there long term. But you just always hear. When a guy gets brought up to the big leagues, a lot of times they like to throw him out. A lot of times they'll bring him up. He'll have traveled that day and they will throw him into the starting lineup that what? night because they just want to let them get the jitters out. You know, it's, it's hard to sit there on the bench wondering when is it going to be my turn? So they talk about doing that a lot. So, you know, he's going to start one of these first couple of games after you brought him up. It was just surprising to me after he has that big moment. He started the rally. Everyone's riding high. Why do you not throw him in there the next night with confidence? Again, not a big deal at all. I'm not trying to make it out like it was a bad managerial decision to cost the Reds anything at all. It was just weird to me. And one of those things that's kind of aggravating. Sidebar here, we were mentioning Jonathan India. I thought about this the other night while watching him. And the year he's kind of had where I don't know you'd call him a slap hitter necessarily either, but he's certainly not a guy with power. He can hit it in the gap a little bit. Got some warning track power to him. He would be the perfect steroids guy. He really yes. missed the steroids era. Could you imagine yes. if he would have got on the Brett Boone juice cycle? He yes. could have been like a forty home run guy and been a MVP candidate or something. I mean, he he was he, he, he,
0: he was a home run hitter in college at Florida, but you know, difference in aluminum and and and, and wood sometimes can be a separator. Um yeah, I'd say uh, you know, and I think he is. I mean, I think he's a gap guy, but I, I think he's, he's got a little pop, but. a nice little valuable weapon at the top of the lineup. I think he's. To his credit, I mean, he got off hot start, cooled off, and then he's been pretty consistent here of late. So I think they've at least found something in in Jonathan India moving forward as maybe their everyday second baseman for a, for maybe a long time to come. Do you miss steroids?
1: I, I kind of miss, miss steroids.
0: I don't miss the steroid era. No, I, 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 I kind of do. I, I don't. I don't miss looking at Barry Bonds, looking at going, look at that cement head on that guy. What in the world are we doing? I don't um, know. It, it is. I mean, it was such a weird era because. And that's where you go back to Barry Bonds. I mean, he'd come up there with all that armor on. So he would stand on top of the plate, threaten you to throw it inside because if you threw it too far inside, they'd hit hit him. And then you couldn't throw him a strike because any time you threw him any kind of a strike, he's hitting it 500 feet. So he winds up walking, you know, 180 times. I mean, you go back and look at some of those years when he was on the juice and just the ridiculous, almost softball-like numbers he put up. It was
1: absurd. He was so fun to watch the, the craziest thing. Uh, this is getting way off tangent, but and, the and he had, a great, thing and he had such a
0: great eye. He had a great eye. And now look, yes. I, the steroids are one thing. And he was a great player before them. That's what sucks. That's what that's what's so disappointing is he was a great player before them. With them, he was otherworldly where literally he knew if you threw it into this little thimble of a spot, that's where he was going to hit it out of the ballpark. Otherwise, it was probably a ball. And I'll take my walk and go to first
1: base. Well, sort of. But the one thing that's crazy about him to me and the most impressive part of it still to this day was the fact that teams would intentionally walk him three out of four at bats right, in a game. Right. And in that fourth at bat where they didn't walk him intentionally, three of the four pitches that he saw might've been out of the strike zone. And the one pitch that the pitcher would put somewhere in the vicinity of the strike zone, he would hit it out of the ballpark that yep. night. Almost yep. every time it was uncanny. The the consistency with which he hit a decent pitch, out of the park because he hardly saw any of them. Yeah, no, no go, one the one. go
0: go look at some of those years and, and no, don't look at the plate appearances. Just look at the number of bats only because he didn't have many because he got walked so many damn times.
1: It yeah. was it was goofy. The amount of intentional walks are crazy. And then or unintentional you, walks. Well, well, I was going to say the, the amount of Actual intentional walks is crazy, but then you look at the total amount of walks and factor and how many of those were pretty much intentional walks that they just didn't call that. They went ahead and just threw four pitches out of the zone and hoped he chased them or something. So, yeah, I mean, just ridiculous. But that's neither here nor there with regards to our, our Reds conversation. I you know, it's it's not that Lopez has really made much of an impact or anything like that yet for the Reds. And yeah, and he may not. I don't have super high hopes. But I, I do like the fact that Hey, you've got guys like Scott Heineman up at the major league level who clearly can't cut it. Why not try someone else? And that was my point when we were talking about the bullpen, too, last week is you have some guys in the minor leagues, the double AA, A, triple A level that have put up good numbers that have earned an opportunity. It's not that I think those guys are necessarily the answer or some big parts to your future, but you clearly have guys on your 40 man roster that can't cut it at all and that aren't ever going to be major league players consistently i I don't know why you're bringing back up a guy like cnl perez that makes no sense to me
0: i've had enough give somebody else a chance
1: in that spot i wish they would do that the same way they did with lopez i guess is my point
0: yeah and here we are now rick um you know the reds kind of got their way back into it for back and then you know they just can't beat the padres and understandably so i mean if you just go down the 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 and I know Blake Snell did not start the the first game of the series, but when you looked at the first two pitching matchups, it was Blake Snell against Tony Santtion. and then in game two it was Joe Musgrove against um uh who started last night. I'm drawing a complete blank, Oh, Vladimir Gutierrez, yeah Gutierrez. And so, you, and so you just giggle and go that th- there's your difference right there. I mean it, it, it's it's no more simple than that, and their lineup is better. And now you look up and the Brewers are so stinking hot. the Reds are eight back. and I, I was of the yoke. and I talked about this on the sports Authority with Chris Rankle on Sunday. I, I said, Look, if you can just continue to spin your wheels four back, three back, maybe five back, get to the trade deadline, get some help. But now suddenly you look up and you're going to spin your wheels to the point where maybe you're 10 back before these two series with the Brewers coming up back to back right before the all-star break and right after where even if you were to win five of those seven games, you only make up a handful. And let's say you go two and five suddenly, boy, you better enjoy this last month of Nick Castellanos because this may be it.
1: Yeah, that's sad to say right now with the connection he's made with the Cincinnati fan base, he's been a perfect fit. He's been so fun to watch a legitimate MVP candidate this year as, as things currently stand to see him get shipped off would be painful for fans, but I mean, understandable and then quite possibly the right decision here. It It's funny because we caught some flack a few weeks ago when we talked about, Hey, is this, it was six or seven game winning streak. The Reds went on, is this fool's gold? And we both kind of, you know, I, I don't know if it's fool's gold, but I, you're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. I think is the way we phrased it with this bullpen and, and this roster. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. I mean, as hot as they were, they got just as cold here and at the wrong time with regards to what the Brewers are doing above them. So, yeah, I mean, they're now tied with the Cardinals for for uh, third and third, yeah, in the division, and and they're eight games back. So a lot of ground to make up and not much time to do so before you really get to that decision-making point of, are we buyers or are we sellers? Right.
0: So, so here we are on July the 1st, um, as we do this podcast, as you mentioned, the Reds are eight games out. What is the, what is a conceivable number in your mind that makes them a, a buyer at the trade deadline? And what makes them, what's the number that you go, that nah, you got to be a seller. And that includes Nick Castellanos, who for the record um, can opt out after this season and, and, you know, I know he likes Cincinnati. He, he came back this past year, but, you know, for the year he's having, he's going to cash in. Um, and for the Reds, if he opts out, then, you you know, you you better make that plan now of, okay, if we think he's going to opt out. We can't get in the ballpark and resign him. You better go get something for him and something extremely valuable because of the, the season he's having. So what, what's a reasonable number for you that they're a buyer, and what's a reasonable number where you go, I get it, you got to be a seller at this point?
1: Well, to steal your phrase, I think five games is probably the okay. line of demarcation for me now you can easily say look if a team's six games back they can make a run i just think this team especially with the bullpen as it is has proven they're not going to be consistent enough right. to overcome a six game stretch on the brewers this year uh and the cubs too you know for that matter so i i think it's right around five games and even then i don't know if that's enough for the reds the reds may not feel that good about it at five they may need it to be Closer than that, even. And and honestly, with this roster, they may not feel they should really be buyers at all. They may not feel they have a chance this season. And I kind of would understand that now it's their own fault because they did absolutely nothing in the offseason and they put themselves in this position because they gave away half the bullpen for nothing and did nothing to replace it. But I yeah, I think you got to be at least within five games, right?
0: Yeah. And I think so. And, 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 you know, you have the opportunity to do it. You got a chance to make up some ground on the second place team, the Cubs Uh, you play them, you know, coming up at home, the three game series, you play them at the end of the month on the road, four games, you got the Cardinals coming in for three towards the end of the month. And then, as we mentioned, you've got that, that stretch against the Brewers of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games, the final uh, four before the all-star break at the Brewers. And then the first three coming out of the break at home against the Brewers. But you know you, you that, that can't be a three and four series or maybe even a four and three series you need to make up three games there it needs to be a five and two series and I don't know if they're good enough to beat the Brewers five of seven I know they swept them you know earlier this year um but i don't i don't know if you're good enough to get that stretch and so to do that you're gonna have to you have to you're gonna have to play some really good baseball this month this needs to be about a 17 and eight-ish month and I don't know if this team's good enough to do that
1: yeah Th- this weekend is gonna be kind of big especially for us in terms of where we're at when we Talk again next week heading into that big first Brewer series before the All-Star break. And uh, I think we'll talk a lot more about where they're at in terms of the midway point when we get into that series next week. Uh, Let's switch gears here and talk about the Bengals. You wrote a column this week for Local12.com talking about three reasons to be optimistic for this upcoming Bengals season. I want to run through these three points that you made and you can kind of give me your take on how you see this, why you see it. And then maybe, too, if you want to talk about some of the reasons to be pessimistic. Yeah, and, 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 that col- and, that and it's well. funny.
0: That's the companion column that will be up on Local 12 later today. So there are there you go. There's three three reasons for each. And, and we're about a month away from training camp. So it felt like it was kind of a good, good, good time to start it. So, yeah, um, go ahead.
1: I think people are ready for football season to get here in Cincinnati. So it's a good time to do it, as you said. Uh, starting with the number three reason to be optimistic. Offseason additions give defense flexibility and are an upgrade. H- how confident are you about these upgrades on the defensive side?
0: I'm pretty confident. Um, you know, I like Larry Ogunjobi. I know he's playing the three technique, which he hasn't played since high school, but he said he loved playing three technique in, in high school. Um, and, and I don't need him to be um, Geno Atkins of all pro years. I need him to be an upgrade over what they had last year at three technique. An upgrade over a Geno Atkins of the last couple of years is a three technique. I think he's more than capable of doing that. I think at the very worst, Trey Hendrickson is a wash with with Carl Lawson, and um, the fact that what they did then to to draft some guys in Joseph Osai and Cam Sample, and I, I don't want to throw Wyatt Teller in; he was a seventh round pick, but he certainly is a, is a rush end. Um, I, I think they've they've put a lot of you know potential guys there to go rush the passer and give themselves some flexibility. Of, I, I think Louie Arumo, whether you like this or not, I think in his perfect scheme. His ends not only can get up the field and rush in a 4-3 setting, but he wants those guys to occasionally drop and be able to blitz some different people. And you've got a really good slot corner who can blitz in Mike Hilton. And you got a really good safety who can blitz in Von Bell. I think it gives you a chance to mix up some, some looks. I think Luana Rumo really has, finally, kind of the, the way he wants his players to be on defense. Carlos Dunlap could not drop, didn't like doing it. Carl Lawson, I don't remember ever dropping, so he was a complete up-the-field defensive end who – I know all the quarterback pressures, Rick. I get it. I get the metrics of that, but I also saw a guy that didn't finish a lot of times either when he got to the quarterback. Trey had got 13 and a half sacks. Was it a one-year wonder? We're going to find out, but I, I like the productivity. He's a younger guy. He's a young guy. Um, I think at the very worst, it's a wash, but I think it, it can also be an upgrade. And I think the three corners, look, Will Jackson is 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 arguably maybe not even arguably you probably would agree with this he's better than any of the three corners the Bengals will run out there between Chidobi, uh, Awuzie, Mike Hilton, who will be a slot corner anyway, and Trey Waynes, but I would say it's it's he's not significantly better. And then Mike Hilton is an upgrade over Mackenzie Alexander, so you kind of got those two as you know you, you lose. Let's just say a grade of an A minus and a C plus, and I bring in two b b plus guys it kind of washes itself out and don't forget Trey Wayne was supposed to start last year before he got hurt ahead of Darius Phillips so there's an upgrade right there so I think the corner position is upgraded so I I, I do I think I I think this defense has a chance to be significantly better and and I'm not talking about top 10 but I think it can be somewhere middle of the pack and, and if you look at last year I mean they were 22nd in the league in points allowed which is not awful for what wasn't a very good you know collection of players especially when injuries hit I mean they were rotating tackles number six, seven, and eight in there. You remember that one Steelers game? They were starting corners that had no business starting a corner in the NFL. It was just a five-ring circus. I think they've upgraded some depth at corner. I mean, Eli Apple's a former first-round pick. If, if he decides he wants to play and, and get after it, I mean, he could be a nice upgrade as a backup. I think Darius Phillips as a backup is a is a perfect scenario for him because then he can go return punts where he's, he's, he was dynamic in college and he just hasn't had a chance to do it much in, in the NFL um, so I, I do I, I just think it's a more athletic and the pieces fit better together for what Luana Rumo wants. And now I would say this too. That puts it on Luana Rumo. and That'll probably be one of the reasons for pessimism is do you believe Luana Rumo and Zach Taylor can now take the pieces of what they've kind of molded and wanted and, and brought in here um, and make those guys into a winner? That's a legitimate question to ask. But as far as the pieces go, I like the pieces.
1: Well, yeah, and there's legitimate reason to be doubting whether or not they they can get that done right, as no well. Question. Let me ask you one more follow-up on the defensive side of things. How big are DJ Reader and Trey Wayne's to how we view this whole thing? Because I think even going into last year when they made the DJ Reader move, it was a pretty controversial one. There are a lot of people who thought, you know, why are you spending that much money on a guy who hasn't been that productive? And then there was another side that was kind of like, hey, this guy is is tough to move. He can really fill some gaps and he he's becoming more productive. He looks like he's on the upswing. How big is it that those two really produce to the overall, uh, way we feel about this defense?
0: Oh, no, I mean that, I mean, you, you paid them both a big chunk of money last year and you got all five games out of those two guys combined. I mean, you start 11 guys on defense. They were supposed to be two of your 11 starters and you got five starts out of a potential 32. So yeah, I think they're both huge. And I think unfortunately for reader in the games, he started. You didn't get Geno Atkins next to him because Gino was hurt at that point. And so you're rotating an old Mike Daniels in there. And and um it just it, it, there was never the right fit because of the injury and, and 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 in some cases lack of talent. And so now you're hoping Ogan Joby is back to a position he liked in high school. And he was a productive player in Cleveland. He wasn't great, but he was productive. He's certainly more productive last year than geno atkins was with 99 snaps all the guy played and then the myriad of of backup hacks that played after that so those two guys together i want to see what 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 can happen if readers got somebody complimentary next to him which he never had in the handful of games he played and then he got hurt and then all you were doing the rest of the year was playing backup defensive tackles and that exposed the bad linebacking core the average linebacking core so i think those guys are huge waynes was supposed to come in and and be the outside compliment to, to to william jackson well now he's kind of cornerback one and, and so let, let's see if you're, if you're worth what they signed you for
1: not that it's the end all be all by any stretch of the imagination but we, we talk about pro football focus grades from time to time jesse bates is obviously the highest rated player on this defense at 90.1 can you guess who the second highest rated player is
0: man from from last year
1: from or last carl, year yeah i guess carl lawson well, I I it's four guys that'll be on the team this year though. For this oh, okay.
0: Oh wow. Lineup. Um I would guess either Sam Hubbard, Logan Wilson, or Von Bell.
1: Von Bell would have been slightly ahead of Trey Hendrickson because okay. Von okay. Bell, then Trey Hendrickson, they're separated by 0. 0.6, uh, six tenths of a point. And then uh DJ Reader would be after.
0: Right. So, so so there you go. Yeah. And and Wayne's doesn't get a grade because he didn't play but obviously they thought enough of him to sign him to a big deal in the offseason. So the right. off season before, so you're and, yeah. Those, and the those year before that,
1: he, he would have been right in that line with Sam Hubbard, 68, 67, those yeah. two. So yeah. Uh Yeah. I, again, not, not that I'm too wrapped up in pro football focus grades. It's no, just been kind of interesting looking at yeah. kind of the pecking order of where those guys were at. The second point you made here on reasons to be optimistic where skill positions on offense could be best combination in franchise history. This one to me, was kind of the eye-popping one, and and the points you gave for it were, were interesting as well. Take us through that.
0: Yeah, so there's only been 17 times in in team history we've had a thousand-yard rusher and a thousand-yard receiver, and only one time where they've had a thousand-yard rusher and two thousand-yard receivers in the same season. Um, and unfortunately, that team went eight and eight, but it wasn't because of the offense. Um, uh, that was a 2016 that had Hushman Zada, Chad. And, and, uh, I think it was Rudy, Rudy Johnster said Benson were running the football. So pretty good, pretty good group. You legitimately have a chance to have 3000 yard receivers and a thousand yard rusher. And yes, I know there's a 17th game, but, but I'm even talking outside of that. You have three top level receivers you can put on the field and a high level pro bowl caliber running back. I, I just don't remember them having three receivers at the same time like this. You could argue Hoosh. Chad Johnson and Chris Henry, but all Chris Henry was, was a straight downfield burner who you could occasionally throw a deep ball to. Now he gave you a great dimension, obviously, but I think Jamar chase is, is, is a clear cut potential number one. And you've got a one a and a one B. I think when you had Chad and TJ, you had a clear cut one, a one a and Hoosh, and then maybe a two in Chris Henry. And that's not an, he just was what he was. He was just a downfield guy. Um, and at that point, you know, they, they just never seemed to have had a, a third guy. You know, I, I somebody said to me, well, what about the Chad Sanu, Marvin Jones, please? I mean, Marvin Jones and Sanu were okay pieces, or not Chad, I mean A.J. Green. Um, Sanu, they were okay pieces, but Sanu was never dynamic. Marvin Jones could occasionally make a play down the field, but he wasn't a great, great player. I You have three legitimate wide receivers to throw out there with a legitimate running back, and all those wide receivers are capable of winning one-on-ones, and that's the big part of it. You know, last year, teams decided we're not going to cover A.J. We'll cover A.J. Green man to man. And and the guy couldn't catch the ball. They targeted him almost as many times as they targeted T. Higgins and, and Tyler Boyd. And yet he had 25 less catches than either one of those guys. I don't think that's a coincidence because he doesn't get separation. I'm replacing that guy with Jamar Chase. Now pick your poison defense. Well, now we'll spread you and I will spread you out. And okay. You want to, You want to double the outsides. That's fine. Now we got a light box that are, that our running back can run into. So I, I just think they've got a chance to really put up big numbers.
1: Yeah. And obviously you don't have a guy that's proven himself at Chad Johnson's level yet. Right, so, I mean, right. you got, you know, you got to get a, a clear number one and maybe chase will end up being that type of guy. But I mean, when you're talking about like TJ Zada as a one, A, will take Tyler Boyd over TJ Zada. Yeah, like I think he's a better receiver. So uh, I always thought TJ got a lot of props and uh, love for what Chad Johnson was doing. He took Correct. a whole lot of pressure off TJ and made him better. I think you saw that after TJ left um, when people thought he could be number one on his own and that didn't work out at all. But yeah, same I, for Marvin Jones, thinking he could be a number one on his own. Exactly. So, yeah, I. but I, I mean, I do think, you know, your point about this this team's ability to put three, four explosive weapons and run them out there at you, it's it's intriguing. And I mean, I guess it goes kind of, again, back to the, the pessimistic side is you just have to trust that they have the right guys putting them in the, those positions to succeed and, and win games. And I think that's certainly up for debate.
0: Yeah, and you can look back at, at you know some of those the, the two Super Bowl Bengal teams, and you had Pete Johnson as a running back, and you had Chris Collinsworth was as a thousand yard receiver. You had Isaac Curtis and Dan Ross as a tight end, was a dynamic threat in the passing game. You can go to the '88 Super Bowl team where you had James Brooks and Nicky Woods running it, and then you had Eddie Brown and Tim McGee on the outside, and you know, those were certainly teams that were hard to stop. I think this team matches up on paper with any of those groups, and maybe even better just because of the three receivers you can throw out there and. And because of how good
1: Mixon's been when he's been healthy in his career. The third point and final point that you made in your column was Joe Burrow being on track to not only start the opener, but be even better than he was last season. I tell you what, I don't think there's anyone else in the city of Cincinnati that can set the internet on fire just by posting like an Instagram picture of him smiling right now than Joe Burrow. It's like every time anyone sees anything from Joe Burrow looking like he's happy competent, alive, and having a pulse, people just they get tingly. I mean, it is it's unbelievable the effect he has on this city right now.
0: And Rick, that's where I go back in in my in my mind, and maybe I was wrong in thinking this, in my mind back in March, I'm thinking, boy, I sure hope to see Joe the first part of training camp. That would be great. That would be a great sign that he's ready to go. That's all I was hoping for. Right. And then then you see him in OTAs and okay, it's a little bit for show. That's good. He wanted to be there with the guys. That sounds cute and all those things. And then you see him performing and then you see that last seven on seven session and you hear him talk and you hear the coaches talk and we hear about the increased velocity and even with the increased velocity him being able to process things quickly and on time. And yes, I know there's no pass rush now. I know he's going to have to overcome that mental hurdle at some point, whether he wants to talk about that or not, it's going to be there, but Hey, I, I, you know, the fact that I saw those things before we even got to camp and he's feeling really good about himself how do you not think that you're going to see a, 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 a much improved Joe Burrow?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's the reason that you have any optimism right now as a Cincinnati professional sports fan. It's what you're clinging to. And in the NFL, when you have a quarterback with his potential, it really means more than anything else in sports. When, when you're looking for faith and hope. You know, I mean, it really just gives you so much fuel as a fan to to get excited about. And I get why people are reacting the way they are to these posts, because like you said, I was in the same mindset of, OK, who knows if he's even able to start the first game or two. But hopefully he's he's working his way back by then and, and it will be close from what things sound like to also now. It seems like I, it's unfair to say 100 percent for a guy that's coming off major surgery like that, but. I mean, he seems like he's going to absolutely be more than ready to go and, and have snaps in there ahead of time. Maybe, you know, who knows what they do in preseason with him. but it's, it's going to be not at all the rushed dress rehearsal situation that we are expecting in the first game or two of the season. Now, he has a legitimate lead up to the season like you would normally want or expect. For your, your starting quarterback so yeah I mean it's it, there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about Joe, Joe Burrow this year there's no question about that yeah no no doubt
0: yeah some of the pessimistic things and you can help me talk through because I've not sat down and, and penned some of these out I've only had them in my head so the, the companion piece that'll go up today is the three reasons for pessimism one still has to send around the offensive line because you still just don't know I mean do I know if Riley Reef's got enough in the tank am I going to get a full season out of Jonah Williams is Jackson Carmen going to win the starting right guard spot and if he doesn't what does that say about him? And or then, you know, what does that say about the guys? You know, are you going to get what you got last year out of Xavier Suofilo? Um, is Michael Jordan going to take a step forward? How healthy is Trey Hopkins going to be when, when the bell rings? Uh, you know, who's the, who's the swing tackle? Because even in a perfect world, I'm not expecting 34 starts out of Riley Reef and Jonah Williams combined. Is that person out on the street somewhere? So I think that's got to be one of them that you got to be still pessimistic about because you just don't, you, you don't really know about this line yet.
1: Yeah, and as much as we're talking about Joe Burrow being healthy and and looking good and being confident, you still have to wonder, that guy coming off major knee surgery, everything, how confident is he in those guys in front of him right now? Is he going to be a little gun shy? Is he going to be seeing ghosts a little bit? Is he going to be willing to step up into the pocket and finish throws, especially when he's trying to get the ball downfield a little bit more this season? Yeah, I, I think that's probably my number one reason pessimism about this team and and a close second is the coaching staff and just having little faith in them at this point
0: no yeah that was gonna be one of my next ones is is even with all the things Zach Taylor's probably got the roster where he's wanted it right the first year that was a bad roster and they were going through stuff last year you were trying to weed some of the guys out and then it's not an excuse but you gotta admit I mean you lost your starting quarterback for the final six games you were playing with literally your fifth, sixth and seventh defensive tackles half the season. You had cornerback issues health wise. Um, there was just, you know, you lost your best running back and, and really Gio Bernard, you know, the, the tires have been kicked on, on, on him as, as a lead running back. So you really injuries did compromise them. At The same time, I still see a play caller that seems stubborn at times. Doesn't seem imaginative. This offense looks, looks eh to me. And yeah, I, I get the fact that, that he doesn't have, hasn't had some of the weapons that he has now. So, I want to say that some of the last two years were injuries and lack of personnel, but I also can say, well, this guy really has never proven it as a play caller, no matter where he's been. So why do I believe in him still? And the same for Lou Anarumo never been an offensive coordinator anywhere. Do I really believe in him? I think I do personally, because I think he's been dealt a terrible hand the last two years personnel wise, but guys, you went out, you've made two offseason moves now where you've upgraded and, and, and tried to fix and overhaul the corner spot. Now the defensive line spot, you didn't address linebackers so apparently you like the linebackers so giddy up here we go you guys got your guys i don't know if i believe that you're the guys that can get it done but you know now it's
1: on you to me those are clearly the top two reasons for pessimism is there a clear third in your mind that stands I, yeah. out because yeah, I, don't know I, I know kind if it's of clear. go into defensive personnel a little bit, but I don't know if that's as clear cut.
0: Yeah, I, I think the other one is the linebackers. I mean, do I yeah, really know exactly. that Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt can be the two main linebackers this year? Um, can, can they be playmakers, if you will? Um, be, and, and maybe some of that is, uh, you know, if the defensive line is as good as we hope it's going to be, that, that certainly helps those two guys. But do I know that they can cover? Do I know that they can tackle in space? Do I know that they can make a play other than tackling a guy five yards down the field? Uh, I don't know that, and and uh, you know they really haven't done anything to address it. So apparently they feel pretty good about those two guys and about Akeem Davis Gaither, uh, you know. And and I know Josh Bynes is still hanging around out there. If the worst comes to worst, but look, Josh Bynes gave you everything he had last year, and kudos to him for being a pro and and answering the bell 16 times and and you know at least being out there and doing something. But you're you're not winning a lot. You're not a playoff team really with Josh Bynes starting 16 or 17 games for you at linebacker. You're
1: just not. Yeah, as much as I harp on the linebackers, you always bring up a good point about this, that in today's game, you know, a lot of times you're only playing two of them out there and you're in a nickel package for a lot of downs. But the one thing that stood out to me about last year's team, and I don't even know what the stats were against the run, and I don't care what they were. The one thing that I was certain of is every time the other team was in a must-get-short-down-yardage situation, the Bengals weren't getting that stop that someone was running right up the middle on them and getting the yard and a half or two yards that they needed to pick up the first down on third and short or second and short, what have you, almost every time against this defense. And a lot of that is because they have no... They had no stoppers up front, right? What they had right. last year. And then the linebackers are just not imposing at all. I mean, they just, no, they're, they're not, not playmakers. Yeah. They're not playmakers. They're not hit hard hitters. They're not run stuffers. That's just not the way they play. They have some side to side speed and can cover the field fairly well. But uh, I'd like to see more from them in that regard against the run.
0: Yeah. No, no doubt. And so, yeah, that would be my third. So I think I do have my three reasons. Um, uh i can't i mean I, everything else i feel okay about so um th- th- yeah those would be the three and and the and yeah the, the coaches are certainly for me that's probably the number one reason yeah. for pessimism is like just it, it's hard for me to believe i you know proof proofs in the pudding and so far it hasn't been it hasn't proven out very well
1: Yep. all right the next topic probably the biggest story of the week really overall in sports in my opinion the NCAA cleared the way for athletes to profit off their name, image, and likeness on Thursday. College athletes will now be able to make money from endorsements and sponsorships while retaining eligibility. Such compensation could involve anything from a book signing at a bookstore to a deal with a local restaurant. But athletes will not be allowed to endorse companies related to marijuana, alcohol, tobacco, or casinos. Skinny, what kind of an impact do you think this will have on local teams?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I did see that Dante Allen, I think, became the first Kentucky athlete. I didn't see what he did to do it, but he's the first one, apparently, to take advantage of it because they can take advantage starting today, right? July 1st.
1: Yeah, that's right. They just rushed it in uh, from an NCAA-wide or from an NCAA perspective on Wednesday. On Wednesday, right. Right before the gun because a lot of states had their – Legalization going into effect today on July 1st as we're recording this. Yeah,
0: K- Kentucky was 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 just ahead of Ohio. Ohio followed suit. You know, here in the last you know week or so. So yeah, they were they were more than ready to do it. That's a good question, Rick. I mean, you're in a professional town, right? So most of the spokesmen for for spots, and we see them, right? You see Mike Mustakas for Jake Sweeney, and we saw Gio Bernard for Mercedes Benz of Fort Mitchell. Um, yeah, you, know, you see mostly pro guy. You really don't even see a lot of Reds or Bengals doing. A lot of local spots. Am I going to see college guys doing it? I, I I don't know,
1: Rick. I think we think about this in the wrong way when we okay. do this. It, I, I
0: I know you're you're more on the on the social media aspect. Yeah, of these, right? it, yeah, it's
1: not going to be. You're you're absolutely right about that. It's not going to be big car dealerships doing TV ads with the shooting guard at Cincinnati or Z. Now maybe
0: now maybe in Tuscaloosa or Lexington, yes,
1: yes, there are some examples where that will work, and there will be places that do it. For And, you know, there will be reasons beyond whether it's a good business decision for them as well. Correct. no doubt. We all know that's going to happen. Absolutely. But that door is open and that's fine. Right. What I think for the smaller teams is this opens up a door for not only the players to, to get smaller deals and compensation and things that we haven't seen before, but for smaller businesses, the types of businesses that advertise with Instagram ads and and those types of things. If you're a local business right now, maybe it's say you're an upstart apparel company in Cincinnati, or maybe it's you've got a website that you're trying to get information out there about locally. These are the types of things where it may not be a big deal, but maybe a few hundred bucks you'd be willing to pay for an Instagram post from one of the top student athletes in the area. That's where more where I think this is going, especially on a local level. Because UK is maybe a different story in some respects. You'll have some one and done, some five star type talents that are going to be NBA guys. Well, and let's and-
0: face it, and those guys will go do their book signings, their card signings, whatever signings. Because as you as you know, and this happens um, usually when it's been senior classes or guys that have been the one and dones that have already declared for the draft, they'll go around, they'll they'll barnstorm the state and just make appearances and make money off of that after the fact, because they're not breaking NCAA rules at that point. So I can, I can see that happening. And I can probably see that happening with, I mean, if you, if you are a, if you're a local UC business and you want your brick and mortar for some people to come out and you want to pay Des Ritter a couple hundred bucks to be the guy to come greet him for an hour or two, I can see that.
1: Yeah. And, and that's, Where I think, you know, the Kentucky thing, it'll definitely work to an extent for you'll be able to get crowds to come out for signings and pictures and all that. For UC and Xavier players, I don't know how much of that there will be, but I do think what you brought up is maybe they win a championship of some sort. They win something big. Then you have the after party at such and such bar and grill with them meeting people. And and right. I don't know exactly how that has to work out language-wise, but because, you know, there is there is some stipulations in there that they're not supposed to be allowed to use their jerseys, the school names, their position as a player for that school while doing the advertisement. But I imagine companies will do it sort of like we do the Super Bowl. You know, instead of saying it's the Super Bowl, we call it the big game, we call it right. other things right. like that. Right. You yes. know, maybe they'll, it'll be Des Ritters here for the championship celebration. And yes, it doesn't right. say anything about UC winning the AAC or something right. like that. Um, I, I think that's more how I'm looking at it right now. But again, I, I think we're yet to see how this is really going to take shape. And that's what makes it so interesting to me, because the things that will work here will be the most creative ideas that that they come up with. And and schools aren't allowed to go chase those opportunities for their players but you got to imagine they're going to be working behind the scenes with some of their biggest donors, some of the companies in town, trying to feed them an idea or two off the books and say, hey, this might not be a bad spot for you to get in here with our student athletes. And, oh, instead, and of,
0: instead of the McDonald's bag of cash, you just ask Jimmy Joe car dealer, you pay the bag of cash and you pay it legally above board.
1: Yeah. Right. And I think you're going to see a lot of that, especially too. with some of the SEC football schools, yeah. a school like in Ohio State, like days before, of uh, yeah, uh, grass for tattoos is over.
0: Right. No. Yeah. Well, thanks, Ohio State. No, I, I think before anybody then says, well, that's an unlevel playing field. It's always been an unlevel
1: playing field. This is not
0: changing that. This is just putting legalized money in these guys' pockets and more opportunities for them to
1: do it. Yeah, the best players are still going to go to Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State for football. And for basketball, they're going to go to Duke and Kentucky and Gonzaga. I mean, it's not going to change the power structure all that much. I'm interested to see, could a school like a DePaul make a little bit of a comeback having a big city like Chicago? Or is it just you're too lost in a city like Chicago and right. your, your student athletes mean nothing at a school no. that's not real successful. That, no, could that be, yeah, it's, It could it's be much more uh, beneficial to the small college towns, maybe that really cling to their school and supporting their school and maybe the the rib shack down the street will have eating contests with linemen all the time or uh some fat power forward at North Dakota State or something like that that that's putting up 30 a game will get a deal I, I'm fascinated to see where it goes and what creative things people come up with ways to use this and then of course you're going to have the NCAA figuring out how to regulate this in real time because yeah, good, good luck with that right now they don't have a lot of real guidance on the books. I mean, they have some rules that they've laid out, but you know people are going to push the envelope immediately with this. No question.
0: Yeah, no question. By the way, shout out to Applebee's and Highland Heights. You got to come through for some of those NKU players now.
1: Dude, if I will be a little bit pissed (laughs) off if one of the NKU players get a sponsorship deal before I do to that Applebee's. I was going to say that's no your place. I, that's your Applebee's pla- I was Island say it's more than me.
0: No, no, no question. That's your, that's your pre and post game hangout. Is it not?
1: I've been putting in work for over a decade at that place and I've been promoting <laughs> it as such. So I, I think they're a national chain, so I don't think they're going to be reaching out to NKU people. Like right, Skyline Tavern.
0: How about, how about Skyline? Although you no. can't do alcohol, but you can, they, yeah, I'm,
1: a, I'm a hard no on Skyline Tavern, not a Skyline wow. Tavern guy at all. So they can they can sponsor all the athletes they want. I will not be a part of that. I'm uh, sure now that I'm getting into specifics with NKU guys that I will be getting a call from compliance later today. I'm sure,
0: I'm sure you probably will. But, uh, but now you're compliant. You're okay. You're allowed to do it.
1: Well, yeah, I don't know how it works out. You know, it's because I'm in that like weird broadcaster no, that's spot good. That, with MKU. That's a, that's a good
0: call. Yeah, that's yeah. a good call. Well, may, uh-huh. maybe maybe you can serve as their, as their player representative.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I need to check with Xavier. Like, can uh I'm not gonna name any specific names, but can Xavier players be dropping musketeer report tweets out now? Yeah, why not? Absolutely. I mean, can I pay them for that? I'm in yeah, I'm in on that.
0: I was gonna say I figured you probably would be.
1: Yeah. Who, who's the who's gonna be the biggest social media following each year and have them put out some tweets and drop a couple hundred on them, you know? I I, want to know if you find that out, actually, that'd be interesting. I'm going to look into it See, legitimately. Okay. All right. Uh, Anything else to add on the, no, I mean, it it, it was
0: just so funny because it was coming right. And when the state started doing it, it was almost like the NC said, yeah, we resign ourselves to the fact that we already just lost a court case too. So, Hey, have at it.
1: Well, that was the thing. Once they lost that court case, it became very clear that they were just opening themselves up to lawsuits.
0: Right. right. So uh,
1: they, they pretty much had to get with the times and uh, you know, Dabo Sweeney was supposed to quit coaching here if uh, once players were allowed to get paid. I haven't seen his resignation yet on Twitter, (laughs) but I will be anxiously awaiting it. Other than that, I don't think, you know... I don't think a ton is going to change in terms of the power structure and who's going to win, but I do think it's going to be fun to watch how players use this.
0: Yeah. I mean, the one thing we've talked about is schools don't need to be in the business of paying the players. Now you're allowed, obviously because of that lawsuit to pay above and beyond for some academic things, allegedly, Um, you know, a laptop here and a, and a, whatever else there for academic reasons. And that's fine. I mean, it it probably will go above and beyond that, but, Look, schools don't be in the business of paying players, but players still need to be able to make any money they can off their name, image, image and likeness. It's it's this is such a no brainer, um yeah. And I don't think it, it. I don't think it unlevels the playing field. The playing field's always been unlevel. It just always has. And a lot of it's because of cheating. Now you can do it all above board. Okay, good.
1: Yeah, and I think the one thing a lot of people are uh, not understanding either is they talk about well, this is this is only going to be for a couple of the biggest male athletes like sec football players uh no 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 this is bigger for women athletes i think than anybody because guess who has the biggest f- followings on social media right yeah.
0: now no, you've made that point you're Top right Top
1: female athletes so yeah we've already seen a couple of the deals have come from like uh female basketball players from smaller conferences and stuff like that but they They built up followings in high school. You know, they might be good looking. That helps add to it. There's a lot of people out there that will follow you on social media if you're good looking. So there's going to be some things done there just from a, a social media following standpoint where they're just doing Instagram posts for the same things you see your favorite celebrity and influencers doing them for and just on a smaller scale.
0: Yeah, no, agreed.
1: All right, let's get into a betting segment where Skinny, you actually have uh, some type of interesting question here.
0: Yeah, Darren Ravel, who can be a douchebag at times, as you know, um, Darren Ravel on Twitter um, tweeted out a picture of, of of a bet that was made. Um, don't know who made the bet, but it's a it's a picture of the bet slip, and it was the Hawks to win the Eastern Conference at 175 to one. The bet was made in March of this year, so what's that? Two months or so before the playoffs began. Um, somewhere in that in that vein. Right. Anyway, the person bet a hundred to win um, seventeen thousand five hundred dollars um, on this bet because one hundred seventy-five to one. And the person apparently posted the, on on a thing called Prop Swap, which I don't know much about. Um, asking if somebody wanted to buy that ticket off of them for eight grand. So what that person was trying to do is was, was hedge their bet of. I'll take eight grand in the bank versus my, you know, potential. I'm either going to lose a hundred or win 17,500. I believe Rick, this, this ticket went up. I think after game one, where the Hawks won game one. And then, you know, they end up dropping the next two. looks like they're dead in the water. They come back and win, win game four. Um, And now it's, you know, best of three. And you don't know how much Giannis can play. And you don't know how much Trey Young can play. So it's a, it's a pretty big question mark. So my question for you is would you have put this ticket up trying to get something back in return or would you've done something different to to hedge your
1: bet i i mean i guess we don't know what the odds were to to hedge on this right right i mean w- w- where were we at when he put this up on the the swap yeah i'd have website, to see what the bucks and what would yeah, the what, bucks have been at that point
0: they had to be negative something or other negative you know 400 so you're going to put up 4 grand to win a grand
1: because yeah, that would have no, been- yeah, no, I don't think that's a, that's a hedge worth doing. I guess Agreed. Uh but I'm not sh- again, I'm not sure when he put this up. but Did he put it up right when the final started or was it No, 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 no. no. I I I, no,
0: I I no, I think this was this was put up on June uh, when was this put up? Give me a second here. I just saw it. This was put up on do 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 do. It was put up last week at some point. Uh June 24th.
1: Yeah. So I guess maybe there's not a hedge play available. And, and, uh, point, on, so. uh,
0: yeah, the only hedges I think I would make and especially now is I think I'd probably bet anywhere from a grand to 1500 a game on the bucks to get something back. Cause if, if the bucks win, at least I'm getting something on a, on a couple of those games and maybe can scratch out a, a couple of grand or here's my question. You know, the, the current asking price when this was put up last week was $8,000 for somebody to buy this ticket. Would, would you have bought it? Cause I'm almost sure it was put up after the Hawks went up one game to nothing. So that's kind of why that was up. Would you have bought this ticket for any price?
1: No, no, I'm not, I, I'm not interested in that at all. I, I To me, betting is the I'm, thrill I'm kind of, of betting it. is getting the big win. Paying a ton of money for something that, you know, I mean, you know, eight to 16 is a nice win, but when you're in for eight grand already, that's no longer fun money to me. That's like, that's a okay, significant and, amount of and change. Here, I'm and, not, and
0: here's, here's a follow-up, Rick. Actually, this is another one. Somebody else had a Hawks to win. They had the Hawks to win the Eastern Conference at 200 to one with a $50 bet. So they were going to win 10,000. That thing got swapped out and sold for $3,400. I think I, I, for me, if I'd have bet 40, 50 bucks, and this was about a day ago and I could have sold that ticket and gotten 3,400 bucks back off of that, I'd take that in a heartbeat. Wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, I think I would I would make the sale in both cases. The sale would be interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, think I'd
0: make the sale on both.
1: Yeah, I mean, get, locking yourself into money, especially when you have the team that you feel is the underdog. I, which I assume he feels that way. I mean, maybe maybe he likes the Hawks over the Bucks, which is it's two to two as we're recording this. So yeah, this uh, not this, out of this, question this, yet.
0: this pro swap thing is interesting. I'm on their on their Twitter account at the moment. It it's called Prop Swap, and I guess people do they 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 go in there and they sell their tickets.
1: Yeah. You just sell your bet. Um, It's not even hedging. It's yeah, but, but it's a, it's kind of like cashing out your tickets in some of the apps where they offer that opportunity. You know, if you have maybe three games of a four game parlay, sometimes they'll offer you a a payout scenario right there. So it's kind of like doing that and uh, you're doing it with real people. You got to have someone willing to offer you the, the swap, obviously at that price. But yeah, I mean, if you, if you've got the underdog like the Hawks and you've got a chance to cash out for 8 thousand and instead of letting it ride for 16 I think I'm taking the 8 thousand getting fifty percent of that's pretty good
0: uh, yeah I think I'd take that if somebody were give me eight grand for that ticket I'd take it and run to the bank and be done with it and yeah. and then if and then if I really wanted to bet the Hawks again I could maybe bet them on the money line for a couple of games right
1: yeah I think uh, yeah I think that's what you you do you get back in you you guarantee your eight thousand then you get back in with some interesting bets yeah, Because, maybe, again you've got the underdog still so you can correct, go back in and bet them
0: yeah, and 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 you're not you don't need to bet the points part of it. You're, you're you're kind of you're kind of rooting against them at that point to some degree. But you could also then, if you want to hedge it, and say, hey, just in case they win a couple of games, I mean, what were they the other night? They were seven and a half point underdogs, so they were probably a decent price on the money line. I did not look to see what it was, but I'm going to guess probably in the plus two hundred vein. I mean, I think I'd have thrown, thrown something on that if I had the the money in my pocket. I, I will say, by the way, Rick, I've almost navigated my way. At least I thought I, I had. I got the I got the Suns. Remember, I put ninety bucks in the pot before the 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 playoffs started. I can win three eighty five on the Suns, and I can win one sixty five on the Bucks if the Bucks get to the finals. So I'm about doubling my money with the with the with the Hawks. I'm going to get about four to one odds on on the on the Suns when all said and done at at the ninety bucks I put in the pot. But I kind of feel good even even if the if the Hawks manage to scratch out this series. I think Phoenix is clearly the better team. Um, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I, I'd like to have the guaranteed money of having both teams in the finals and knowing I'm winning something, but I'm also okay if the Hawks win because I feel pretty good that the Suns end up beating them and maybe even beating them in you know four or five games.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I tell you what, the Suns, Chris Paul, the 41-point effort he put up on Wednesday night to push them into the finals, what a – cool moment i mean yeah. a guy this far in his career that's had the injury history he's had and uh obviously i did see a great tweet where it said so the clippers did get chris paul to the finals after all yeah that's was, a good point <laughs> uh, was a great tweet it was cool that it came against the clippers because that thing flamed out so hard with him there i mean it just yeah i mean uh, it was the the suns have to be the favorite, right? The heavy favorite. I think they're by far the best team left because there's no one in the Eastern Conference that can defend them like the Clippers were able to defend them. Now, granted, yeah, and, when Kawhi went down, that changed things a little bit, but still... It,
0: they, yeah, and, and De- well, and Devin Booker's nose injury affected them a little bit, too. I mean, right. he, he was clearly not the same guy with the mask on.
1: Right, right. No, absolutely. But I just think you look over on the the Bucks and the Hawks, neither one of those teams defend like the Clippers do. So. No.
0: I, again, like I said, I feel better if the bucks get there. Cause I, I know at that point I'm winning at least probably doubling my money, but I still feel pretty good with my son's bet, and I got him at 18 to one. So I feel pretty good about
1: that. Yeah. I don't see any way the Hawks can beat the Suns either. That's either. the thing yeah. that matchup seems terrible for them. So now based on the way my picks have been going throughout this thing, the, the Hawks are now going to get to oh, the no, finals. No and that, beat that, that's them my, for that's one, my luck.
0: But, yeah. That's my luck. That yeah. is completely my luck. No, no question. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, let's get into some – well, by the way, a little bit of breaking news here as we transition into Ask Any Anything. I think we're going to talk a little bit more about name, image, and likeness. And I do see locally we have the first deal that I've seen from Xavier's Jack Nungy, the Iowa transfer. He he tweets, NIL provides all kinds of opportunities for student athletes. I'm excited to be a part of the at Vidsage official family. Starting July 1st, I'll be available to talk basketball, NIL, the stock market, or anything you can think of. You can find the link in my bio, hashtag Let's Go X. I'm looking up the VidSig official, or VidSig, however you say that. It's the go-to global video chat platform for live access to true talent. Okay. So
0: Not sure there what you go. Thing, it's like,
1: okay. like I'm saying, weird, small startup internet site doing some type of small deal with uh, Jack Nungy from Xavier. Yep. So no, I think that's what we're going to see a lot of here.
0: Yep. All
1: right. Ask Skinny anything. And we start off with an NIL question. Uh, someone wants to know, do you agree with the Jay Billis tweet regarding NIL? And so I'll read that tweet for you real quick, skinny. It says, Hey, NCAA, since you have now admitted that college athletes are professional, how about writing past wrongs and reinstating the records of Reggie Bush, the fab five, fab five, and countless others you mistreated over the phony concept of amateurism. It was unfair then, and clearly so now. Skinny, do you agree with Jay Billis on that take, or no?
0: I, I don't, because the rules are different today than they were then. I'm sorry. I mean, you play by the rules that you're played with. Agreed. Um, no, I, I'm sorry. The the, the, rule, the rules have changed, and, they, and they've, they've changed for the better. Don't get me wrong, but those weren't the rules then. So, no, I'm sorry. That doesn't, that doesn't you, you can't have your cake and eat it, too, in this case. Sorry.
1: Totally agree with you there. I've been on board with having this stuff since day one, you know, since it became a thing, we first started talking about it. I always thought it was dumb that they weren't able to get what the market deemed they were worth, but at the same time, that wasn't the rules. So yeah, I mean, they were still cheating at that point in time. And I I don't know that the NCAA really has to do anything about that. That's not, that's not one of those times where I think it's fair to criticize the NCAA that the rules were wrong, but it, Those guys were wrong for cheating, too.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the the, the rules were in place. And and by the way,
1: I don't think Reggie Bush, like he may care some now looking back. It may be fun for him to say some of those things that he's, you know, he's admitted to uh, some of these ceremonies or things honoring him. And maybe that would mean something to him. But all of those guys would take their college experience and the money and benefits that they got. Absolutely over an award or two that got taken away from him later no, down the line
0: no, no question and i think from what i understand i guess reggie bush now is, is allowed to come back into the usc fold and i'm gonna guess they'll welcome him back with open arms yeah
1: exactly so there you go i mean it's, at this point i think all of them would uh would keep the way things played out so all right we've got some uh fourth of july questions here no. skinny oh. your favorite fourth of july activity and or food
0: Ah, uh, it's, it's, it's clearly a burger on the grill for of sure. Course, yeah. Um, but I will tell you one of the things I enjoy and we're going to do, we, we did not do it last year cause it was not available. I don't even know if we did it the year before but we did this as a family religiously almost. I love the pops concert at Riverbend. Really? I do. Cincinnati I really, pops guy. Yep. It's, it's usually, you know, you sit out with a, with a tub of beer or two on the lawn and just kind of kick back. It's not, it's not a long thing. It's about 90 minutes. It ends with fireworks they do a good, I just, I've always enjoyed that. I don't know why maybe it's, one of those ones where I just don't feel rushed. I feel what was one of those rare nights where you don't feel rushed. Usually, um, you know, I'm taking vacation time around that, which I am again this, this year, although technically the holiday that we get off is, is Monday um, this year. So that even helps more, but yeah, I've always, I don't know. I I'm not a big symphony orchestra music guy, but I enjoy the pops. I think they do a great job with it. So yeah, I'm a big fan of that.
1: I'm with you on the grilled burger. Nothing fancy, just nope. classic grill out yep. with the we're, fam. We're going to some other uh,
0: to to another people's house on on Saturday because actually they live in in Edgewood, and that's when they're having their Fourth of July fireworks, and we can see them from their driveway. So we will go over there for that, and then go to do the pops on Sunday. So it'll be good.
1: And there you go. Uh, th- then my favorite activity is definitely the pool. Just lounging in the pool and chugging a couple yeah, pops. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yep. I, I, I agree. But instead, I'll be working this entire Fourth of July. So
0: <laughs> I've done that before myself too. But uh, yeah, this this time around, I've, I've I've navigated my vacation
1: around it. Smart. Uh, the same person wants to know: Do you call cornhole bags, or do you call it cornhole? Um, I I guess I call
0: them bags that I'm throwing. But yeah, no, but you the don't game. call
1: the game bags, right? No, I
0: call it cornhole. Yeah.
1: yeah. I've I have heard that. I know some people do that. Seriously? I think maybe that's like a Chicago thing or something. But, I, I was gonna say that the yeah. thing
0: that's on ESPN they call it cornhole. So I yeah. mean
1: he said so. you're a psychopath if you call it bags, which I don't disagree <laughs> with. And but you don't, so it's all good. It might um, be a little much, but sure. Someone wants to know if skinny is a guy if <laughs> is skinny a guy who is still lighting off fireworks on July fifteenth.
0: I'm not a guy that lights them off before, during, or after. I I I'll watch professional fireworks display. I don't need amateur hour in the neighborhood where um, it feels like somebody's about to shoot your 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 house off. We we had one. Uh, I guess it was last summer. In fact, I was I was working out in my in my driveway. I was doing a, a project leisure. I was cleaning off all the lava rocks and then re-putting them in. It was kind of a a, a a pandemic thing to do. A chance to go outside. There was
1: very much so.
0: Yeah, there was nothing else to do. There was nothing on TV um, at the time, so I did that. And, dude, this was a, this was like either July 3rd. It wasn't the day of July 4th. I guess it was the day before. And some jackass down the street who I really don't even know let off an M-80 that honestly rattled. It knocked me out of the chair. It literally <laughs> knocked me out of the chair I was sitting in. And I had neighbors that came flying out of their house. They thought a bomb went off in the neighborhood. So it's like, honestly, grow up.
1: Yeah. I'm going to guess we probably got a couple calls in the newsroom that day. Uh, yeah, you might have. From your neighbors. Yeah. Uh, I don't
0: like the snakes and the sparklers. and again. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> Give me a professionally done fireworks show. I'm okay with that. Yeah, Anything I like else, fireworks. I don't but... need amateur hour in the neighborhood. It freaks out the dog. Every dog in the neighborhood's barking like crazy. My dogs are hiding from it. I did see honestly, and I'm not joking this. And Rick, you might have put the story up, but I think I was on our website, or at least I saw an email about it. It's a legitimate point. You got some 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 people in, in you know ex military that that have some some post issues, post traumatic stress issues. Those fireworks probably are, are are traumatic for them. I'm not kidding you.
1: Oh, yeah, no, that's a that's a big thing. And one of the big reasons people say you shouldn't be doing that. But uh, I'm with you. I, I enjoy a good fireworks display, emphasis on done. emphasis on good. Uh, yeah, I don't need the people in the neighborhood doing it. It doesn't really bother me at this point because I, I don't sleep anyway because I'm working overnight shifts. And uh, fortunately, we're very lucky. The dog doesn't care about noises, thunder, fireworks. So we don't have that issue. But yeah, if, the, if it bothered the dog in our house, then yeah, I'd be out for blood. I'd probably be throwing rocks through people's windows or something.
0: And if you Uh, blow your hand off, don't come crying to me.
1: No, no. If you do the uh, JPP, I I don't care at all. Yep. It doesn't bother me. Uh, How prevalent is nostalgia for pre-digital sports journalism amongst you and your peers? Mm,
0: Yeah, I think it's pretty high because um, that's how we made our living for a long period of time. And it's, kind of quickly gone by the wayside. And um, yeah, so I am nostalgic for it. I, I you know, What's I, the
1: worst part about the the changeover? Like what's the worst the, part, the, the most noticeable difference?
0: As a, as a journalist, it's the fact that, that you really can't ever turn it off. I mean, in the day you would go write your story or stories, whatever it was, you'd send them in. They'd be in the paper the next day, but you were able to unplug as soon as you sent that story and you were done. Now you send the story in and you're waiting. Okay, what's the next story going to pop up? It's, it, it's, it's, you're never unplugged. Um, and, and so
1: it's, it, it's, it's, it's almost too much. It's, it's just crazy. I was really never a part of the pre digital times, but I, I would get the sense because it's even changed just since I've started where the time for turnaround and time you can spend on things keeps becoming less and less, less and, less, and, and right, less. Right. That would really bother me because I feel like you guys were probably able to do a lot more interesting pieces, pieces where you really got all the sides and talked yes. to all the people you needed to and had the time to really turn out a good story that you were confident and proud of and and felt like you covered from all angles. Whereas now I feel like y- y- you just don't have that type of time to do anything. You got to turn things so fast. It's like you get a quote, you got to put something up right away right. with that That's quote right. from that person if it was yep. even interesting at all.
0: Yep. Yep. And, and that's, that's, it's, it's, it, it wears you out. So yeah, I, I, I do miss those times. I'm sorry.
1: I do, but I do. What are some old guy things you tell whippersnappers about the industry?
0: <laughs> some old guy things. Um, I you know me, I'm not one of those back in the day guys with that. I don't think I. Do you're not, me, do I?
1: Yeah. You've never, you've never been that way. And actually you're more of a kind of like tell the young people that you got to evolve type guy. The way you have. Yeah. I mean, I mean you've always I been kind of like I'll figure out the next thing. Part of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I I I am not I am not a big fan of social media. I don't really care about it. It's an, it's a means to an end, it's part of what you gotta do. It's it is what it is, but um no, I'm I'm kind of in that, you know. If I want to get a paycheck, I either evolve or go into some other line of work, right? I mean it's pretty simple. I yeah, I I listen, I do long for those days because I did enjoy I enjoyed a camaraderie of a newsroom that we had, a sports department we had. Um, the fact that you could work a beat and, and, and really, you know, get deep into it and develop sources. You really don't do that. Everything's done so nationally anymore. Um, I mean, heck, it was the local guys that used to break when Bengals signed contracts anymore. It's national guys. Cause that's the agents. That's all they talk to. They don't talk to the local guys. So I missed that a little bit, but I, I, it is what it is. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. You know, if three guys nationally break every story. Great. That's fine. Go ahead and break them. I'll just do my job. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I long for those days because I, I, that's what I got in the business for, but I, I'm more than happy to continue to just keep doing what I'm doing. All
1: right. What TV show have you watched or do you watch that would surprise people? Mm, I'm not
0: a big TV guy. Um, I, I, so this is the nostalgia. I, I watch more me TV than I watch anything else. Um, man, I'm trying to think if there's anything. Don't you watch a weird reality? TV show. We we watch no. We watched Tiger King when during the pandemic. But, oh, um, huh. everybody did. So yeah, I'm yeah. not a big reality TV guy. Well, I, I watched a little bit. I did during the pandemic. I don't watch it anymore. It Was the the Mask Singer. I did watch that. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I did watch that during the, during the pandemic. But when there was no sports on, you, you had to yeah. take some choices where you could sports back. I either got a ball game on at night, or I'm doing something, coaching or playing golf or whatever. I'm just I'm not a big TV. If I do. I've got my little routine of trying to get done with some stuff by about five o'clock. I watch a couple of Adam 12s on me TV. I'll flip on our six o'clock news, watch a happy days rerun at six 30. And usually at that point a ball games on, or I'm out doing something. Do I'm you, a big out. I will say I'm a big out doing something guy. So I'm not a big TV guy. I'm usually doing something.
1: Yeah. You, especially with coaching, you are out a lot or, you know, yeah. meeting up with people or whatever. Do you, do you and your wife just yeah. like split up? She takes the upstairs TV, you go in the basement, watch sports. Yep. How's that work? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep, and we, it's funny, we used to, and this is, it's funny you say that because I thought about that the other day. Um, we used to, back in the days when NBC had their their big run of the Seinfeld Cheers Wings shows, and it's probably, I, I know you know Seinfeld and yep. Cheers, you probably don't remember Wings, uh, but it was a great Thursday night lineup. We actually would, would watch those together. Um, we watched The Wonder Years together, but just to evolved to the point, I think she and my youngest daughter now are watching, uh, watching for whatever reason, watching Friends, they're binge watching Friends. I saw enough of friends. I don't need to see it
1: anymore. <laughs> All right. We've got two more questions here. One from uh, the show we did last week that we said we'd revisit. And then also Chad Brendel gave you a question while you were on yes, air with him. Yes, this he, week, yes, which yes, yes, he did. To. He had a real bad vacation experience. He got sick. He got an antibiotic. The antibiotic he was allergic to. And so he spent the vacation getting sick and sleeping while his family went out and did the fun stuff. Uh Skinny, do you have any bad vacation stories? What's your worst vacation you've been on? Yeah,
0: I, I really I have one and um I really I, I mean the Disney World ones were on me, but they were still easy enough because my parents would usually come along. So I would go after the end of the night, I just go sit in the bar and they could go do whatever they wanted to ride more rides. But I, I did I did my Disney penance. I did three or four Disney trips. And usually for me growing up, my mom and dad worked for the airlines and we always went somewhere warm, whether it was to Florida or Hawaii um, or Mexico. Um, but I still remember one where, um, I had lived in Tulsa, as I think I've said before, moved away. This was probably a couple years after I moved away. My best friend there came to visit me one summer. And so the next summer I went to visit him, he had moved to the town of Edmond, Oklahoma, which is a suburb of, of Oklahoma city at the time. I guess I was 13 ish, something like that. And so we went to play golf one day. It was me and him and his, his brother, his jackass younger brother who will forever be the jackass younger brother. So I had teed off and I went to put my club in my bag because We couldn't drive a cart. We were too young. So I guess we had pull carts or whatever. Cause I remember I, I, my bag wasn't on the ground. So I went to put my club in my bag and my, my bag was in front of the tee box off to the side to the left. So as soon as I put the club in the bag, I walked back where I was going to walk behind him while he teed off. No, no, no. He decides he's going to tee off and try to hit me. And guess where he hits me square in the face. And I shattered my cheekbone. Oh, so the the part of this it's weird. This was the last day I was going to be there because then I was going to fly by myself to San Francisco to meet the rest of my family for vacation. Um, my mom and dad worked for the airline, so you know I, we could fly non-rev, and and so I I was more than comfortable flying by myself, especially with no no changeover. I was just going to fly straight there. So I I I remember I got off the plane and my dad met me, and he looked, and we hadn't told him what happened. He goes what he, he thought me and my friend had gotten in a fight
1: fight yeah i know so, but but course. that but
0: that whole we never really went to the doctor uh, well yeah i tell you what we did i think all the doctor says there's nothing i can do for this you just have to let the swelling go down and it's going to have to heal itself um and so i spent the week in San Francisco walking around kind of looking out of one eye with a big puffed up face and it's amazing how many people in the street asked me who beat your ass <laughs> i mean it was crazy i would be walking on the street, something there like, so we beat your ass son no, I got hit by a golf ball. Sure you did. No, I got hit by a golf ball, but it was miserable because the pain, it was just, you couldn't sleep. It was no fun at the time. I, I didn't appreciate San Francisco that much. I didn't like it. I mean, cause there's really, as a kid, there's not a lot to do. You do a lot of walking around and all that. Um, it wasn't a great place for a kid. So, um, that, that was part of, it wasn't a whole lot of fun for me. Um, We were supposed to go to a baseball game one day. My mom decided we needed to drive to Sausalito instead of me and my dad going to Candlestick Park to watch the Giants play. So that pissed me off. So, yeah, it was it was miserable.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that does not sound fun at all. Uh Uh-uh. At Uh -uh. all. And then uh, finally, we want to go back to the question that we brought up last week. We said, hey, we need to do a little bit of thinking about this. And it was the best players to play in each of the local gyms being UC Xavier and NKU. Uh, did you come up with some definitive answers here on those? Let's start oh.
0: with NKE. Yeah, let's start with NKE, Rick. Um, you and I both thought of Earl Clark, but then you you got a, a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, Rick Myers, who had a pretty good suggestion for you after the podcast last week.
1: Yeah, he brought up Kendrick Nunn, uh, which uh-huh. I got to say, as a college and maybe now even as an NBA guy, he's been pretty good. I, I think Kendrick Nunn might be the best player we've uh, seen in NKU's gym.
0: Yeah, and I went back and looked at that year that UC played in the, in 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 that arena. You can argue, check Sha- Milton. You can argue, um, oh the, the Witherspoon kid from Mississippi State was played a little bit in the NBA, but I don't think any of those guys come to Kendrick Nunn's level. Either. I, that's that's a pretty good one to me. Yeah, Landry I, Shamit did play um, there. Uh, Earl, Clark- so Landry Shamit or Kendrick Nunn? I get.
1: Well, I I mean Earl Clark did play what about. Six years in the NBA, it looks like. So, I mean, I guess uh,
0: six six, six to eight, but he was pretty much a journeyman for the most part.
1: Yeah. I mean, he he never really lasted. Kendrick Nunn has done better than him in his career. Um, But I, yeah, I don't know that he's, you know, he still has a little bit ways to go to, to outlast him, I guess. So it's up to debate, up for debate between those two guys probably. But I think I'm with Rick. I think I'd lean Kendrick Nunn.
0: Drew McDonald will be up there. And, and was it not? I think it was um, Dustin McGuire that had that big first game against Louisville, didn't he?
1: Yeah. I don't know that he's in he the conversation to- for best player, but he did no, have. No, no,
0: no, no, no. I, yeah, I think he scored like 29 points in that game.
1: Yeah, yeah, he got hot. Well, the yep, cards okay. have it.
0: Yep. All right. So then let's go to, to fifth, third. And we had somebody that, that got to us on Twitter and they're dead right. Got to be Dwayne Wade.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was a miss on our part. Although, I mean, I mean, Derek Rose is pretty good. I, it's not like Derek Rose. Yeah. Is and, good.
0: So, and so, and so, and, and and so, and so is Penny.
1: Yeah. But Dwayne but I, Wade. But I think
0: in the pantheon of NBA players, Dwayne Wade is the best. And he was yeah. a pretty good college player as well. Yeah, that's right. All right. So then, then. To Xavier, and you brought up a good name for me and shame on both of us, and I think I'm going to lean in this direction. You mentioned LeBron James because of an exhibition game or two that, that he played there, and that makes sense. So if we're going to include that, then yes. But if we're going to go in actual, I guess, games, games, um, David West's pretty damn good.
1: He is... Probably the best college player played at Xavier, I'd have to say. I, I, multiple people brought that up, and it wasn't that you know I forgot about David West being there or anything. It just what we didn't really, we kind of said LeBron's name, and then we mentioned a few other guys. We didn't really get right. into it too much, but I think the, you know the Xavier fans that chimed in there were correct. I think it is David West, probably. I It is too.
0: I mean, Player of the Year conversation for sure. Player of the Year. Um, great long NBA career um, so yeah I, I, yeah David West that's that that's the that, that's only really the safe pick I think it's the right pick as well
1: yeah I mean look, I can't even think of a a player from the new big East who's on track to have correct a David West type career in the NBA even so. correct so yeah I think it he's probably the easiest choice and then you go back into the a10 days I mentioned the only guy that would come close in my opinion well that, the only guy that would beat David West out in my opinion would be Lamar Odom. Probably in terms of a talent. And Lamar Odom never played at CentOS Center. He was at the Gardens. So,
0: yeah. And by the way, Rick, to kind of go back to your, to your name, image, and likeness, you mentioned kind of the breaking news on the Xavier front. There's also now an Ohio State player, uh, Ohio State football player, Nicholas Petit Freer, who's an offensive lineman who has signed an endorsement deal with the Tampa headquartered recruiting technology company, Flix CV LLC. So there we go. Yeah. So it's starting to come pretty quickly.
1: It's happening fast and furious. The other thing that uh, I didn't even think of while we were talking about some of the weird internet stuff that's going to come up is Cameo, which has been popular now for right. former college athletes and all types of other people that have little followings online. We've now seen uh, already a Xavier Walk-On. He has said that he's available on Cameo. So if people <laughs> want to pay him $10, he'll do a Cameo video where he says he'll say anything you want, any way you want him to say it, Uh, So this is beautiful. I mean, this is exactly the type of thing I'm talking about. It's going to be all types of different levels of this stuff. Some guys might make $50 for the entire year doing nonsense. Some might make $500,000 at the very, very elite levels of this whole deal.
0: Yeah, I don't get the whole cameo thing, but I, I, I will say a friend of mine is a huge fan of The Office, and he liked Brian from The Office. And he showed me a video that his wife paid for for him to, to wish my friend happy birthday. And it was extraordinarily well done because he dropped some of his famous lines in there. He dropped a that's what she said in there. Um, and I'm like, all right, for the two minutes of this, I don't know what she paid, but I, I know he's happy with it. I know he's excited. Again, I, I'm not going to pay for for that service. But I, I think you're right with college athletes. I think that is a a decent revenue stream for some of those guys, probably more than we think.
1: Well, and, and maybe shout out to the Roll Blob podcast and CapEx on Twitter. One of the funnier things I've seen done with the cameo thing in a long time was they paid Mick Cronin to do a cameo for uh, their little brother, little cousin, Travis. Who won the city championship over his big rival? And then as soon as Xavier beat UC this year, they put that cameo out with oh, Mick wow. Cronin congratulating Travis on winning the city championship. That's funny. That is hilarious. That's, that's big well, time at the end. And that's so that's well it's become done, yes. a, a big meme in Xavier fandom. So yeah, yeah that's no, well done. But there's a lot of uh, interesting stuff we're going to see done with this NIL stuff. And we're just getting started here about what? not even we're 11 hours into it right now so correct correct correct
0: all right good stuff rick as always i appreciate it we will be back next week for another skinny podcast for rick boring i'm richard skinner and the skinny podcast the weekly popery edition